VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? Would like to be the most influential early stage investor in the history of Silicon Valley. And then I want to be able to take early stage out of that be the most influential investor in the history of Silicon Valley. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. This week, we have a good one. Back by popular demand is Jason Calcanis, who you may recall was one of our very first guests way back at the beginning of season one. Calcanis is many things. He's a Silicon Valley insider. He's an angel investor who has invested in more than 170 companies, including the likes of Uber and Thumbtack. He's a podcaster extraordinaire, high-stakes poker player, and a man of many and very strong opinions, especially about Mark Zuckerberg, as you'll soon hear. Anyhow, the idea was to do this five questions thing with Jason, which we did, but perhaps because he was a bit loopy for some, from some recent overseas travels, he was feeling particularly verbose. So the interview went almost three hours. Three hours! Now, it went all kinds of different directions, and in the interest of your time and your smartphone battery, we have trimmed it down a bit. But even so, we are splitting this episode into two pods. So what you're about to hear is part one, which we recorded in his podcast studio where he does his very popular show, This Week in Startups. And we got off to a bit of a late start because, true story, Jason's Tesla wasn't charged. (laughs) But anyway, on this episode, we get through the first three questions. We talk about fighting Facebook, good pitches, bad pitches, the future of news, and a whole lot more. Uh, Part two, we will be putting out early next week, so do keep an eye out for that. But now, without any further ado, let's get to Jason Calcanis. Question one. Question one. This is a softball for you. I like it. Warm me up. Yeah. Can Facebook be defeated and should it? Great question. So, as we've seen, and as I predicted, Facebook weathered this storm and their stock is at an all-time high. So while this was all going on, I said, governments can't stop this company. Perhaps they can be slowed or there could be some guardrails put in. But remember, Facebook was under a 20-year, $20 million FTC audit. At the time, all of this went down. So there has been no repercussions for this company's bad behavior. 20-year? 20-year audit. It didn't happen 20 years ago. But they submitted to a 20-year FTC audit. It's the longest in the history of these kind of fines. And what this shows you is our government and our unique capitalism plus democracy mixture 
is tilted in favor of companies. That's why we have the best companies in the world. That's why we have the worst examples of corporate behavior in the history of humanity mm. uh, in democracies as well. Now, dictatorships have all kinds of worse things, but I'm just talking about democracy plus capitalism. We will have bad behavior like the Russians paying in rubles to put racist ads on Facebook and Facebook facing zero repercussions except a raising stock price. Yeah, when you say it like that, it just sounds so terrible. I mean, well, I, it, it is, is terrible. Yes. And, you, and the, re the reason it's particularly terrible in this instance is because they knew it was happening and because the leadership of Facebook, which is decidedly pro-Hillary Clinton, would not come out publicly for Hillary Clinton. They were cowards. But Peter Thiel, who, however you feel about him, a coward would not be the word to describe him, spoke at the RNC passionately about his support of Trump. Now, the board member can go out there and do that, but Sheryl Sandberg and Zuckerberg, two of the most influential people on the planet, were not allowed to publicly go out and support it. Why? Because of their cowardice of losing users. This shows you the backbone of this company and their moral compass. Or lack thereof. Exactly. They were fighting for their pocketbooks. They did not want to lose the right. And if you remember, when the right felt that they were getting mistreated in the trending topics in the top right-hand corner, yeah. what did Zuck do? He brought Glenn Beck, who I kind of like Glenn. He's kind of an honest, like I think intellectually honest weirdo. But Slightly w total whack job. but whatever. Yeah, slightly total, but I, I do actually think he's kind of sincere. I mean, he's not... On a scale of one to Alex Jones, yeah. in terms of wacky news personalities, he's like a four. Right. He's not hysterical. He's just sometimes he cries on air and sometimes he has facts. <laughs> and But I think his heart's in the right place. Putting that aside, they were deathly afraid of losing users. And they were so passionate about taking friction out of their ad network that they didn't even care that the ads, which they clearly saw, were being placed. If you try to link to an affiliate link, or if you put too much text on top of an ad, it will get rejected, and it has been rejected for a long time. If you try to advertise a dating site, which Facebook considers a big part of why people use Facebook and right. Instagram is to date, yep. even though they're not explicitly, they will kick you off. I have startups I've invested in who try to advertise. They will not get through the filter. But Russian ads that say Hillary Clinton and Pizzagate and kids getting molested and pizzerias and Hillary is anti-black and all this kind of stuff, targeted directly at the swing states and communities and micro-targeting people by Those their through. race is something that other platforms just would never do. Google could easily target black, white, Hispanic, Asian, etc. They chose not to add that as a choice. Facebook added that as a choice. You could explicitly pick, yes. I want to target Jewish people in New York. I want to target black people in Atlanta. Whatever mixture of people you want. Can it be stopped is your original question. It could have been stopped. There were four viable competitors, WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, Snapchat. They were allowed to buy two of them. If they had not bought those two, Facebook at this point in time would be a declining asset. They would be a stock price that would be at a tenth of what it is, maybe a fifth. And the dialogue we'd be having right now was, Facebook is on a MySpace-like trajectory, and Instagram is going to lap them, and WhatsApp is going to lap them, and Snapchat is super awesome. Zuckerberg is a student of history. He knows that Microsoft was disintermediated, and he knows that Bill Gates 
was so crushed by depositions and being hated that he gave up essentially. And if you watch those depositions, he's so frustrated. I think at a certain point, he was just tired of being the most hated person in the world. And it was like, why is he the most hated person in the world? Well, Zuckerberg got through it. And then they did these ridiculous ads. The, the apology e- ads, which are totally disgusting. We are so Glib. sorry. Remember Glib. those times when <laughs> Facebook was awesome? It's almost like the South Park parody, yeah. parody of BP Oil. Yeah. We're like, we're sorry. Yeah, no. It's so gross. And it's laughable to think the United States is going to ever ankle a great company. Now, Enron, Theranos, and fraud, of course, we're, there are right. AGs who love to scalp the, you know. Yes, it's a great, the, play. The it's a great thing for your career to do something yes. like that. Yes, so one of the great things about America is that these AGs just, that's their reason to etch. Like, if I can get Elizabeth Holmes, if I can get Enron, if I can get Bernie Madoff, it makes my career, then I can become yeah. governor. And if I can become governor, then I can become president. It's actually kind of like a refreshing little thing we got right in this America experiment. Uh, The thing we haven't gotten right in the America experiment is how to control out of control capitalistic entities. But the EU has. Now, when you look at the EU, it's a a capitalistic structure that is medium functioning, and it's a society that is high functioning when it comes to its citizens. So for people who like socialism and, you know, everybody having health care and homelessness being treated a certain way, mental health being treated a certain way, healthcare being treated a certain way, and 40, 50, 60% taxes, and working only 14, 15, 1600 days a year, they should go to Europe. America will retain its 19, 2000 hours a year. It'll retain its insane capitalistic society. And it's just very interesting to watch the two experiments occur. Europe will never have Facebook, Google, like, you know. You think that won't happen? That can't happen there. It can't happen because any reasonably great entrepreneur will realize what they're up against in Europe and leave to a more fluid ecosystem. It's called flipping in our industry. Mm. So I look at companies in Europe. I look at companies in other areas where entrepreneurship isn't fluid. And I say, great, I will give you the money to come to our incubator under these two conditions. One, you flip. Flip means change the corporate entity Mm -hmm. to a Delaware corporation. And then flip the equity so that the founders, if they've already vested all their um, shares, will start revesting some of them. Right. So that other downstream investors like VCs don't feel like, I'm gonna put $5 million in, they're gonna take the 5 million and then quit. Yeah. So the vesting of earning of shares over time. What will stop Facebook? It's obvious. People have to stop selling their companies to them. If Instagram did not sell their company and WhatsApp did not sell their companies, Facebook would not be where it is. That's not an encouraging option. It is. I mean, if you have more money than God, which is Facebook does. True. And you wave around a bunch of billions. I mean, yes, Evan Spiegel said no to three billion. And what did he get? He got much. He got he himself ten to twenty five billion, and he also had a what six hundred million dollar payday. Whatever. If he took it public. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have a feeling that that's going on covertly right now in all the private companies? Don't sell to Zuckerberg. We'll give you an extra $500 million. What's your take? You're not an insider. You're a journalist. No. no. I'm an insider. Okay. So uh, clearly you're saying that with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I have no information other, other than <laughs> complete information. Do you think it's happening? What's your guess? I mean, surely, of course. Okay. And then people complained about it? If you complained about Evan Spiegel getting that payday... You're an idiot. 
because that payday got you five times already massive returns. Mm -hmm. If he had taken the quick money, you would have gotten a $3 billion exit. A year and a half before, you had the ability to exit at, depending on the day, a 10 to, I think they peaked at maybe 25, 30 yeah, billion. Yeah, it was about, yeah, 25 Okay, plus. so you, you, yeah. if at any point you sold, you either did three and a half to 8X, your original yeah. Zuckerberg purchase price. If Instagram, which had just raised money from Sequoia Capital, the greatest venture capital firm in the history of Silicon Valley, they raised money at 500 million, they sold less than a couple of months later for a billion. If they were an independent company right now, they would be worth 150 to 250 billion dollars. How much of that is due to just being inside the warm embrace of Mr. Zuckerberg? 10 to 30%. I think there's a 10 to 30% chance that they're going to hurt it. Now when you see Facebook being ramming Facebook integrations down people's throats with mm. Instagram, that is something that Generation Z, the generation after millennials, can see. They think Zuckerberg's kind of a joke. He's like an old man to Generation Z. That's how young people look at him. They don't like him. They think he's a robotic, marauding clone from the future. When they see Facebook constantly integrating themselves into Instagram, it works against Instagram. But all of these things have some sort of a curve. They, nothing lasts forever, right? We've learned that here in Silicon Valley. You but yeah, and you've launched this uh, this challenge. Oh yeah, of course. Um, sorry, you cheated perfectly for me. Openbookchallenge.com. I basically know as a student of history. I've been doing this stuff for almost thirty years now. You know, I started in the tech industry when I was eighteen, and I'm forty-seven now, so it'll be thirty years. I know that competition is what changes things. The EU is going to really make it difficult for Google and Facebook in Europe, and they'll just pull out of Europe or deprecate products in Europe. And that's fine. It won't be that big of a deal. We don't really need Europe. Europe's not like some important market, to be honest. It's a dying market for in most in CEOs' minds. It's like a checkbox, but not the important checkbox. What I want to do with Open Book Challenge is remind people of a couple of things. Number one, Facebook would have been defeated had Instagram not sold to them. An open book challenge is what? Seven investments of $100,000 each for 6% of your company to come to my incubator and work with me for 12 weeks to then refine your product and think of strategies with other a founders to find a Facebook coexister, replacer, or outright killer. Intellectually, these things do not get killed. They slowly go away. Mm. It's like psychology. When I was a psychology major, they told me paradigms don't die, people do. So what will happen is Facebook will go away when Gen Xers and whatever the tail end of the, of the Facebook wave die. If you talk to young people, you know, people under 18, they do not like Facebook. They do not want to use it. They begrudgingly yeah. will use Instagram, but they like still live on, on Snapchat. That's why Snapchat, despite every effort, Zuckerberg has done nothing original in three years. All he's done in three years that's original um, is swing the election for Trump. I think innovation is dead at Facebook. Zuckerberg is the lowest of the low when, I, in, when it comes to my mind in terms of Silicon Valley Why do you, executives. You seem to really have some personal animus against him. I do because I come from a Silicon Valley where we cherished originality. We cherished the user. And we really thought about the ramifications of what we were building. I think Zuckerberg, either through a lack of awareness or greed, 
or cluelessness makes his product decisions based not on what's in the best interest of the collective user base of the internet, which we all share. He makes his decisions based on what's best for him. That's why his philosophy was go fast and break things. Congratulations, Mark. You poison trust in the internet. You allowed Cambridge Analytica to download all this data, and you swung and destroyed our democracy, which existed for hundreds of years as the shining example. He's directly responsible for allowing the Russians to interfere with our election. He's directly responsible for allowing a platform that just takes no responsibility for how it's used and removing all of the rails. When groups became a thing on the internet, Usenet was the original. The thing that made groups functional and dysfunctional was people being what we used to call on listservs, list moms. Now, it wasn't gender specific, but a list mom was somebody who was caring and would take the time to look at the group and say, this member of the group is a net detractor. I'm going to literally pause their ability to post for a week, send them an email and say, listen, I think what you posted was a little rude and didn't give, really give the person a chance to explain their position. So take a break for a week and think about it. Some and adult supervision. Exactly. This was one of the things we did to keep groups functional. Now let's fast forward to Zuckerberg's way of looking at groups. He said, okay, let's make it so anybody can add somebody. And then that person would be added to the group and publicly viewable as that and would be posted on their wall. Danny joined right. the NRA. Yeah. I could start a group right now called Gun Lovers of San Francisco, and I can add you to it. Cool. How would you feel (laughs) when that was posted? I'd be pissed. That's what he built. Before I give you the amazing example of how insidious this product strategy, which Zuckerberg is the creator of, he created this strategy, which is take out all friction and growth is the only thing that matters. Right. When this product came out, somebody created a group, gay men's choir of college name. So somebody who was, you know, whatever, the leader of the gay men's choir at some group decided I'll, oh, Facebook groups. Oh, I can put the members in. Fantastic. This will save a lot of time. Put the members in. Two or three of those 10 members were outed to their families. Mm. Families didn't know they were gay. Can you imagine you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old male, you go off to college and I think it might have been like a Christian college too, like in the South. Like the layers of pain that these people went through was significant. And it, it hasn't changed. Zuckerberg never changed that. Right. And this is his legacy. Instead of reviewing the ads, instead of kicking them back, instead of questioning them, he just places them. And then they lie. We're working on this. We care. Right. You know, they, I don't actually think they care. I think their moral, their moral compass is, is the stock price and is engagement going up because those two things are correlated. And anything that does not fit those two criteria, they did not care about until such time as Zuckerberg was pulled in front of Congress. Congress. By which time he had been so savvily media trained that he did the greatest song and dance show in the history of CEOing. Yeah. The bar was so low. People thought he would have a panic attack and be a robot. And he was so averagely charming and thoughtful yeah. that he dunked on them. And nobody cares anymore. And now listen, if Zuckerberg was in the room and you told me, like, what would that interaction be like? 
We've been in the room together 10 times in the last decade. We don't talk to each other. He knows who I am. I know who he is. And it doesn't really matter because he's worth whatever billions of dollars and I'm only worth tens of millions. Yeah. But I got here in the seat I'm in and I got my power because I'm blunt and I tell the truth. I don't care what Mark Zuckerberg thinks to me. And the people who tried to stop me from saying this 10 years ago who threatened my career, now those same people have to deal with me because I have power now. Right. The ultimate power in Silicon Valley comes from either having money or being the early investor in companies. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. End of rant. <laughs> Sorry, now you got me all worked up. I hope I was worth the wait. I'm always a little late to this podcast backstory. That's no, good. So, so that leaves the question, too. Just this week... It's come out that Twitter's got rid of 70 million bots. You have YouTube saying, here's our whole new way we're co- combating conspiracy theories online. Got all this new context around big news events, et cetera, to kind of balance out all the kind of craziness that shows up on the platform. Sure. But I guess the question is, is fake news the new normal that we're just going to have to navigate? Is there a way to fix this? Because these things, what they have announced, are all well and good. The underlying algorithms are the same. Let's start with news. When we came up in news, we looked at it, you and I, in the 90s. We both came up in Mm -hmm. the 90s. We were indoctrinated by our predecessors, our mentors from the 70s and 80s, that it was critically important that every fact be true and that we check them and double-check them. Anonymous sources were to be used only in the most extreme of cases. And that if you don't have verification, do not run the story until you do. Then the internet came along and blogging came along, which I was a big part of. Yeah. My initial concern with blogging was, was there were no editors. But I went full bore into it, created Engadget, Autoblog Joystick, and a hundred other blogs and sold that company for $30 million 18 months after I started it to AOL, which is now AOL's entire business model. Well, its entire business model is it's a collection of 25 brands, the top six of which are AOL, TechCrunch, Autoblog, Engadget, and Huffington Post. So two of the top five are mine. Then blogging, something happened where we realized SEO drives views. So if we say iPod 3 specs, iPod 3 battery life, iPod 3 new features, we would have three swings at bat in Google, 
And the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and Washington Post were so dumb, they would write a headline like, that's clever and interesting, that Walt Mossberg's yeah. take on it. So we would have 50 different stories about the iPod, little chunks, and Walt would write one. Walt was a better journalist than us. But we would write 50, we would get 50 times the amount of traffic. The incumbent beat and Gadget had much more traffic than Walt Mossberg had. But I picked people like Peter Rojas and really great people to partner with on this who I knew I could trust to hit the publish gate without having somebody else read their work. Everybody else followed suit, Mashable, Huffington Post, and it was either Forbes or Fortune. Forbes is amazing now because everything you read on Forbes is by a contributor. Right. So I think it was Forbes. Yeah, it's And the guy who uh, created yeah, that was Louis Dvorkin, who then okay. went to LA Times and then got ousted. Right. He took my model and then just went crazy with it, which was, if you're an attorney, a lawyer, a headhunter, a consultant, whoever, just write your opinion and we'll post it. Huffington Post did the same thing. So that was the beginning of the slide, which was allow the subjects to write their own stories. Now, if properly controlled, a great contribution that is edited heavily and mentored and considered for bias is awesome. So to get you know, Bill Clinton to write something or to get J.J. Abrams or George Clooney to write something considered and have an editor say, hey, by the way, this feels a little biased or you didn't back this claim up or is this actually an opinion mm -hmm. or is it a fact? Let's make sure if it's an opinion, we say whose opinion is a fact. Well, this stuff that you and I take for table yeah. stakes. Well, people started getting rewarded by that and then social media came up. And social media is a rage slot machine is what I call it. The outrage slot machine of social media means the more outraged you are, the more likes you get. It's not about truth. If you do the truth, you get nothing. No like, no retweet. The truth is boring. The truth is, it's like eating your broccoli. It's like, yeah. you know, you ate your broccoli, great. But if I give you something super sweet or something super sour or whatever it happens to be in this analogy, you're going to retweet it. You're going to be outraged. And then... They bifurcated the authors from the subject lines. Then they took the subject lines and said, have somebody write three and test them against uh, 25 users on Facebook. Then spend whichever one gets the most clicks and likes, do that. So now you had a group of marketers marketing our words. And Business Insider was one of the best at this. They would take my pieces, which I allowed Henry to do, to pub republish because I want my words to spread far and wide. I'm not in it for the money. I'm mm -hmm. in it for the reach and to be an opinion leader in order to drive my deal flow. And they would change the sub, they would put a headline on, like it would be like taking this conversation and saying why Jason hates Zuckerberg. Yeah. And that might be a good headline for this, but it's a, it's a, it's a clickbait headline. Seven reasons yes. Cal Canis hates Zuckerberg. Well, I didn't write the article with that intent, but that went too far. The SEO went too far. And at the same time, Google and Facebook created products that publishers could never compete with. They were able to retarget Engadget, New York Times, Wirecutter users by having the like button there or Google Analytics or any other products that they embedded into sites. And they would go and sell those users with better data. 90% of the growth in the last year in online advertising went to two companies and you know which two yeah. they are. So you have this, and then Craigslist taking out classifieds as a novice one. So you have the perverse marketing added to journalism 
where we're trying to service Google's search algorithm, then servicing the outrage slot machine of Twitter and Facebook at the same time that publications are losing money. And it led to the perception in the public that maybe some of this news isn't real. That's what journalists have to own, is that part of this problem they created. Mm -hmm. Now, to make a complex situation even worse, the most horrible human being on the planet is Donald Trump. He then realizes anybody who's been the subject of the press has had the experience I talked about, where Henry Blodgett, my friend, somebody who works for him, yeah. optimizes, changes the headlines, and I say, that's actually not true. That's kind of fake news. That's not what the story is about. And Henry and I worked it out, where I said, I'm only going to give it to you if you put my headline on it. Then they said, okay, we'll do that, but we're only going to put it on the homepage if we make the headline. And I was like, okay, I guess. But that little microcosm leads you to the point at which now you know why Donald Trump was so effective at saying fake news. Then you put yourself back in the good journalist position who have fact-checking, who actually do the diligence, and they actually make a mistake and own it. The reward for owning it is that Trump can say, look, yeah. they admit it. They got it wrong. And then the rage slot machine piles on. And then the rage slot machine piles on. And then, of course, Putin, the master of chaos, whose only motivation is to take down the great example of how a society should be run, America, and try to destroy it. And the person who sucked the money wholesale out of journalism without ever giving a dollar and sharing one dollar of the massive revenue, Zuckerberg, allows him to do it. Now, you want to talk about how this will be looked at in 30 years? That's how it's going to be perceived. How come you don't include Google in that? Google is a much more complex organization. And I can criticize them and I can give you the positives. I'll start with a couple of positives. Positive number one, 65 to 70% of every dollar they make on AdSense on your website, my website, whatever website, they give to that website. Google AdSense, Google AdWords, you've seen this. So they started with the premise of sharing. They enabled independent journalism. Engadget, at one point, started making 2,300 and some odd dollars a day. And I said, that's my favorite number in the world, $2,600. Because when you times it by 365, it equals a million. It means I can have 20 people working full time on Weblogs, Inc., Engadget, and everything. And we were, I was, in the first 10 Q for Google, you can look it up, there were two examples of partner publishers, the New York Times and Weblogs, Inc. They wanted to show high and low big and small, people benefiting from that. Now you take, go to YouTube. 55% of revenue goes to creators, 45% goes to YouTube. Another amazing thing that Facebook has never done. Facebook actually pulls the rug out from under people. They tell you to invest in your pages, you get to 100,000 followers, you pay them a dollar for each one, then two years later, you try to reach those 100,000 people that you paid $100,000 to get to follow yeah. you, and you reach 4,000, they say you wanna reach the other 96,000, pay us again, pay us every time you wanna reach them. Facebook has actively worked against journalism. They've actively worked to hurt journalists, to hurt publications. Google, on the other hand, still is a net driver of traffic, still tries to drive traffic through Google News. Um, and I think that they are more reasonable in what they do. And I think there is much more principle on the top of Google. All organizations are top down. This yeah. is an obvious yeah. statement, but let's prove it here. China. They like to use technology to find journalists and dissidents, yeah. put them in jail, torture them, and murder them. One company 
which has an immigrant founder, will not participate in that market. The other one learns Chinese and goes to China constantly and is begging to let their service into the organization. Because there's 1.3 billion people there. Do I even have to make you guess which organization yeah, is yeah, which? Yeah, 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 yeah. Google is run by Sergey Brin. Yeah. I know Sergey. We're not friends, but we know each other. We see each other once or twice a year. I, I talk to Sergey Brin. He cares deeply about immigration. He cares deeply about democracy. He cares deeply about freedom of the press. Zuckerberg cares about getting 1.x billion customers on his platform. And if you asked Zuckerberg to turn over journalists in China, he would gladly do it, is my belief. Right. Here's exactly what he would say. There's a rule of law, and we respect the culture of China. We are honored to participate in their ecosystem. And here's what any other American who cared would say. We will never allow you to put a journalist in jail and torture them. Right. Tells you everything you need to know about the difference. Now, I'm not saying Google's perfect. Google runs over partners. You can criticize every big organization, but Sergey Brin and Larry Page, I have known for oh, since the beginning, since well before they're public, are men of principle. Charles Sandberg is a person of principle. Zuckerberg is not. Right. Why Charles Sandberg is still at that company and not the CEO of Uber or another company is crazy. Her reputation is being destroyed by Zuckerberg, I believe. I believe she should be president of the United States or something like that. But it, it's, it's just heartbreaking to me to see Cheryl, who I consider a friend, and obviously Dave Goldberg and I were very good friends. We play poker every week, rest in peace. For me personally, it's not easy for me to, to see that situation. You know, and I, Nobody would have been out there speaking at the DNC more than Cheryl Sandberg. Right. She was not allowed to. Just, so, I don't think that was her choice. But, is but, that a fact? I, I don't, you know. You want to make some news? I'm not going to make news, but I'll say based upon my deep knowledge of the industry, the number two person at a company has 1% of the power and 20% of the influence, and the number right. one person has 99% of the power and 80% of the influence. So right. Cheryl's the most influential person at Facebook other than Zuck, and Zuck is the most powerful, and I would almost guarantee that Cheryl would have loved to have been on that stage introducing Hillary Clinton. And I'll go further. If Cheryl Sandberg did introduce Hillary Clinton and got behind her and Zuckerberg got behind her, instead of tipping the election for the most corrupt president in the history of our nation, the most heartless and the most damaging it will go down in history, we could have had the first female president, imperfect right. as she was. Yeah been the shining example of democracy that America is supposed to be. Instead, we've devolved into chaos. Yes, we have. It's complete utter chaos. Well, so that, just back to circling back to this question. So anyway, that, that's so, how I look at fake news. Yeah. And so journalists so, need to come up with a new model. They have to stop with the headlines. This is on journalists. Mm -hmm. You would agree that journalists need to stop doing link-baiting headlines immediately? Uh, yes. That has to stop. And you're a real journalist who has time to do stories. You're up against people who will lie in headlines mm -hmm. using your primary research. Has this happened to you in the last year? Somebody rewrote your story, put a more salacious headline on it, yes. and got more tweets than you. That's happened many times, yes. 
This is the valid criticism of journalism that exists. There are scumbag journalists out there, or rewriters. There are scumbag counterfeiters who will take your primary research and put something salacious on it in order to beat you and get more traffic than you. That's what you're up against. Mm -hmm. That has to stop. We grew up in an era where there were fact-checking departments. If I were to solve the problem, wave the magic wand, I could solve it instantly. And I could solve Facebook's problem of being hated. How's that? Thank you. <laughs> wave the magic wand, Jason. <laughs> Very simple. If Facebook cares so deeply, why don't they take 100 publications and say, we would like to license 10 stories a day from each of you, these 1,000, well, yeah. say 100 publications. So yeah. it's 1,000 stories a day yeah. that will be reprinted in full. We will pay you a $5 CPM. F it, a dollar CPM. Mm-hmm. It's found money. Yeah. We will link back to you. All we ask is that for every article that we publish, on the right-hand side, you put the bio of the editor, you put the bio of the writer, the editor who proofed the writer, and you put the name of the fact checker and the facts they checked in the story. So if people want to get educated, they can click on story background and fact checking, they click it. Do you think if a hundred publications were given this deal, how many would take it? A hundred. Okay, you would be correct. Now, if a billion people were to read those stories every day, we would have, or if a billion views to those, mm-hmm. a billion at a dollar CPM is a million dollars a day. That's $365 million going to 100 publications simply for giving 10 stories a day. Yeah. That means those publications who are getting paid handsomely, uh, splitting up, that's 100 publications splitting up a million dollars a day, $10,000 a day, $3.6 million per publication. Then those publications would put that money directly towards journalism. Those 10 stories would essentially be profitable and be able to fund another 50 stories on their main sites. Right. This would cost Facebook $365 million a year. They could have a Which col- is a rounding error. A rounding error. Yeah, because today, I don't know if you saw in the UK, they were just fined the maximum amount possible, which is 500,000 pounds for Cambridge Analytica. Seven minutes of sales for Facebook. <sighs> <laughs> my yeah. dream when I retire is to buy Frontline. Really? No, it is uh, something I've been thinking about a lot about because I'm going to be 50. And I had a long talk with my wife. I was like, I think I have three more years of investing left. If I can get to 500 investments. How many are you at the moment? Uh, 170. Six unicorns in the first 120. That makes me the best on a per, you know, at, an at-bat best. Mm-hmm. Paul Graham... And his organization, Y Combinator, has done 1,500. He's retired now, somewhere in yeah. Europe, I understand. I know, I tried to, uh, I keep trying to track him down when I go back to the UK, but he's... No, nah, he's off the grid. He's yeah. done. He's done for three years, I think, now. So yeah. he probably oversaw 1,000 investments. And of those 1,000, the unicorns in that are valued at 80 billion. And of my unicorns in 120, they're valued at 70 or 75. So he's the goat on number of investments. He's mm. the goat on impact on the community. Ron Conway right up there with him. Saka on a percentage basis, hitting Twitter and Uber in yeah. the same fund. I'm just talking for angels. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about venture capitalists, people who do seed investing. And then I'm number four. The three in front of me are no longer investing. Yeah. So I'm the number one active, but I'm not gonna stop until I'm number one. 
would like to be the most influential early stage investor in the history of Silicon Valley, and then I want to be able to take early stage out of that. Be the most influential investor in the history of Silicon Valley. Hashtag goals. Life goals. Question three. You've invested in 170. 170 now. Yeah. The majority of those were in the last three years. So I've been nine years investing. Mm. The original pace was five a year, 10 a year. But in the last three years, with funds and with my syndicate, it's ramping up to 50 a year. I'd like to get to 100 a year. Right. 100 a year, three or four more years, then I'm in that four, five, six hundred range. But it right. requires that there be good companies. Yeah. So the question is, of all those companies you've met, so you've invested in 170, you've probably met thousands. Worst pitch ever, best pitch ever, and did you invest? The worst pitch ever was recently. Somebody had pitched me. They were quite young and quite cocky. A app, they use the analogy of calm. And they said... Your medita- the meditation The meditation app, app yeah, yeah. that it was yeah. app of the year last year yes. by Apple. Yeah. Not app of the month, not health app, of, but overall app of the year. And he said, you're you going you to love this. I mean, and he shows it to me. And it's, it looks like the Siri ball of rainbow colors that yeah. moves with your voice. Yeah. Like as you talk louder, it moves... Um, and he says, well, you talk to it, and it diagnoses you, and then it'll make you feel better. So I was what? like, oh, it's like a, it's a therapist? So he said, exactly. We're going to help people feel better. And I said, okay, got it. Can I ask, what school of therapy are you ba- basing this on? Is this like psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy? What have you tested it with? Is this for PTSD sufferers, depression, bipolar? And the person's like, yeah, no, it's AI. It's going to figure all that out. Mm. Oh, it's AI, machine learning. An AI therapist. Correct. Okay. And I thought to myself, and I'm an open-minded person, and Mm -hmm. I like crazy odds. But I also like founders who are thoughtful, i.e. the opposite of what Zuckerberg did in that previous segment (laughs) we talked about. I'm like, really think about the ramifications Mm -hmm. of what your behavior is going to do. You have this obligation, and this obligation is pretty front and center for investors right now after what happened with Theranos, what's happened with Facebook. Yeah. And I said, um, ah, so your background is you're a clinical therapist, you're, you've been to therapy, and you have a clinical therapist on your team, you're out of right. Harvard's clinical, what's your background? He's like, yeah. well, I have a lot of friends who suffer from anxiety and depression and it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. This is what I always tell founders. Would you like the red pill? Would you like the blue pill? Most of them understand the reference from the yeah. matrix, and they want the unvarnished truth. They want me to go to their pod, rip it open, pull out the plugs, yeah. and show them that they're in the machine and what the reality of their existence is. And I said, number one, the mission of this company is to replace therapists. You better have empirical proof that that is true. Number two, you haven't picked a beachhead where you can test this technology in a very safe way. You cannot just unleash this in the world. Yeah. Number three, this is your first startup and you have zero experience in this area. You didn't even understand when I said CBT that I meant cognitive behavioral therapy. So you are uninformed. You have no background in AI. You don't have the technical chops. You don't have the inherent experience you certainly don't have any wisdom because you're 24 years old or whatever it was. This is reckless. You're creating a nuclear fusion motorcycle without brakes, and you've never ridden any motorcycle, nor do you know anything about nuclear fusion. You should be working at a startup right now or working toward 
being a family therapist, social worker, so you can identify where. And then at night studying, the free courses at Coursera, edX, and on Google on machine learning, when you are a master of one application of this, while concurrently being a master of AI machine learning, then you have the right to run an experiment. I felt like I was in Jurassic Park and I was the Jeff Goldblum character saying, you know, you're, you didn't think for a minute that if you could build the technology, if you should. Right. You know, like, what do you think if you make Raptors is going to happen? What if the AI tells you, you know what, Danny, you're pretty depressed and clearly you have a lot of anxiety. Statistically, most people never, ever get out of this tip situation. You should kill yourself. What some AI believes mm -hmm. is the ultimate solution, which is why right. Elon Musk is concerned about it and other yeah. smart people are concerned about it because our humanity could be very morality, humanity, ethics, logic is something that a, an AI may not take into consider. The, the, the best solution to solving AIDS might be in a computer's warped mind to kill everybody with AIDS. Yeah. If you have AIDS, we kill you. Therefore, AIDS cannot continue. So you didn't invest in this guy's work. No, saying. no. And I literally, <laughs> I really had to like dial back exactly how appalled I was at the pitch and keep the sword in the sheath. So I've tried my best to not take that out and best. swing it around people. Now, you said the best pitch. Best pitch. I'd say the one I'm most proud of that was the most polarizing and I was right. So to the Peter Thiel, like contrarian kind of mm -hmm. nature, my best contrarian bet to date was not Uber. Uber I introduced to about 30 to 40 investors and three said yes. Cyan Bannister and myself in first round. But I had a gentleman named a Alex too on my podcast. And Alex was underestimated Englishman mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. And he was considered gimmicky because he created something called the million dollar homepage. A kid wanted to make a million dollars. He wanted to make it before he graduated college. So this kid named Alex Two, T-E-W, who I think is the most brilliant product mind in Silicon Valley, on par with Ev Williams, on par with Elon Musk. I'm talking about product. Mm -hmm. On par with Steve Jobs, not other attributes. We're talking about product here, conceiving of products. Johnny Ive, 2018, he said, the million dollar homepage will be $1 per pixel. And what is that, 10,000 by 10,000? No, 1,000 by 1,000. 1,000 by 1,000 times 1,000 mm -hmm. would equal 1 million. Each pixel is a dollar. It went viral. Everybody started checking it every day. And it said 700 pixels taken, 1,700 pixels taken, 17,000. Now, because so many people are going every day and there was a counter of how many page views, it didn't take a genius to realize that putting the logo of Orbitz or the logo of Yahoo there right. for $100,000 would get you more than 100,000 clicks for a dollar each. So the flywheel started and he sold it out and he made a million bucks. To me, this is not frivolity. This is product genius. So he came up with com.com and it was a web page where the goal of the web page was to see how many seconds you could sit there, stare at a beach, and if you moved your mouse or changed the window, the timer restarted. Again, beyond brilliant. And I had him on my podcast, thisweekinstartups.com. You can look it up. Just type uh, Alex to This Week in Startups, T-E-W. So I had him on the podcast five years ago. 
I said, how did you get com.com? That's a million-dollar domain name. Just mm. spend a million dollars on it, four letters in the English dictionary. It's got to be a million. He said, no, much less. And I said, half a million is much less. 250 He didn't want to say exactly. Yeah. He got it for under 100000 if my memory serves me correctly. So I, my checkbox, say, created the million-dollar homepage, was able to negotiate a million-dollar domain for five cents on the dollar. Two checkboxes. I'm in. And at the same time, my friend Sam Harris, I was asking him about meditation because at the time, I felt like my mind was going so fast. I needed, and I practiced martial arts and had had very Zen experiences, and I had marathon run, but I had nobody to practice with Taekwondo in Los Angeles. And I couldn't run and run long distance because of my knees, so I was looking for that mm -hmm. flow state. And we're talking about flow states, and he was telling me about some things he had done at UCLA, putting early true believers, religious people, and showing them like a picture of an apple, and then they put you in there and show you an apple. And we both, let's say I was a member of ISIS, mm -hmm. and you were Danny mm -hmm. from the valley. <laughs> and we both see an apple. We say, it's, it's an apple. And then we show like Muhammad, or we show, what's a bad example? Let's <laughs> say it's, I'm a Christian fundamentalist. We show Christ, yeah. and we say, here's Christ. Is that the son of God? You would say, are you a devout Catholic? No. Christian? No. Atheist? No. I'm just, I grew, I was, I was raised Catholic, but I'm kind of... Okay, great. So we're the exact same. Yeah, I yeah. was raised Catholic. I didn't get my confirmation. I haven't been to church in 20 years. Right. So, like a historical moment for me. Somebody who wasn't a real true believer, their brainwave for this is the son of God, when they say, that, oh, that's the son of God, would be as literal as the apple. Mm. That's an apple. That's the son yeah. of God. You and I would say, son of God... Yes, that's if you were, if you literally interpreted the so Bible, yeah. you sure, and he's referred to as the son of God. And so in the text, if you were to look him up in the dictionary, Jesus would be the son of God as perceived by Christians according to textbooks or whatever. We have a different brainwave. And I was like, really? Wow, you can tell that. It's like, yeah, you know, explain yeah. the science to me. And Sam's a fascinating guy. Um and uh, I said, oh, you should watch this podcast. And he said, what's a podcast? I said, you should have a podcast. That's a whole nother thread, which is, yeah. I spent five dinners convincing Sam Harris to start a podcast, and he finally did, and now it's a top 25 podcast. It's super amazing. Anyway, uh, com.com, and he started a meditation app, but I right. told him to watch the, uh, <laughs> the Alex 2 one. Uh, and on air, I say, Alex, can I give you 25K and get 25 basis points as a founder? It's like, let's talk after. I talk after. Nobody will invest in him, except for a guy named Matt Michael Acton Smith from London who did um, Moshi Monsters, Moshi Monsters which was this really cool company. And he had given him some money. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. And then at the same time, my friend Naval Ravikant said, hey, go check out AngelList. And Naval and Ruloff Botha... Doug Leone, Bill Gurley, Chamath, Polyhopatia. They were all my early kind of mentors in mm -hmm. investing. Just people I'd ask questions to. If you asked them if they were my mentors, some would say yes. Some would say that, that kid's annoying and asks a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Naval had shown me the syndicates thing, which I then tweeted. Yeah. He said to me, what, what did you do? And I said, well, it said right on the page. Click here to tweet your syndicate. He said, it's not live. I said, right. oh, you want me to delete the tweet? He goes, no, you have 100 followers for $105,000 per deal. I, I didn't think it was going to get this fast this big. Right. And uh, thus we started uh, 
uh, doing Angel of Syndicates together. And so we raised $328,000 for com.com. And I put $50,000 in for my fund, Launch Fund One. The company was valued at $5 million at the time. So we owned 7, 8% of the company. And I told Alex, I thought he was one of the most brilliant founders I'd ever met. This is going to be a company that changes the world. At the time, they think they had 10000 in total revenue. They were charging mm. $10 a year for com. Yeah. They just closed around three, or they announced around. Yes. So assume that when you read an announcement, it might be six months old. Yeah. Before they were named the app of the year, they closed around at, or I, I don't know the exact time. So I, yeah. Suffice it to say, they recently closed around at what was reported at? $250 million. And... Revenue whisper number you heard is? Uh, uh, run rate's about 80 million. Okay, can't confirm anything myself, mm-hmm. except that a company that had a run rate of 80 million would be valued at 10 times that number here in Silicon Valley today. Mm-hmm. In a down market, it would be worth five times that number. Mm-hmm. And to a, if a marketplace were to start for that company, like one did for WhatsApp or... Yeah. Instagram, it could go potentially for 20 times that number. Mm -hmm. And then somebody wrote on Quora, will Jason Calacanis lose $378,000 investing in a meditation app? And I wrote why I did the investment. This is four years ago. That to me is the reason I wake up every day more enthusiastic than the last. Most logical people would say running the trench run every day is the most anxiety-producing psychotic, life-risking thing you could do. The only difference is you have to reprogram your mind, which is hundreds of thousands of years old and is scared of getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger and say, there is no tiger that's going to come and rip out your aorta and drag you into a den and maul you. The worst that could happen is I lose $378,000 in calm. The best that could happen is that investment is easily 40, 50 times at that valuation that you quoted. Yeah. Five times 250, a little bit of dilution. So call it 40-something. X, not 40%, not 4,000%, 400, 40X, 40 times. Mm-hmm. 40 times 400,000 16 million. If it's worth 800 now, that would be three times that number. That makes it a $50 million position. The way I get paid is I get 20% of the gain on that money. Yeah. That means me believing and ignoring the list of what could go wrong, doing my research, talking to Sam Harris, talking to Phil Jackson, practicing meditation for a month will lead to me returning anywhere from 15 to $100 million to my investors, my LPs, the 68 civilians in jasonsyndicate.com. It's a plug, jasonsyndicate.com. Those people who invest in that syndicate, they write me emails every week. Thank you for including me. And then the founder then comes to me and says, I don't think we'd be here if it wasn't right. for you. Right. You know, think about that. Like, to me, like, this is what being a Jedi is about. It's that you get to go on the crazy mission. Am I completely sounding deranged no, and, no, you just, and off of life? Because anyway, I apologize to the audience if I'm coming no, across no, no. as so we've even gone more through, maniacal. We've gone through three questions. And that is it for part one 
of the Jason Calacanis Five Questions with Jason Calacanis interview. Please tune in next week uh, where we'll drop the second part of this. We'll also have our normal Friday episode on something entirely different out as well. So do check in and if you want to read uh, what I'm up to in the newspaper, there's lots of fun stuff coming this weekend. I won't spoil it. It's at the Sunday Times, of course, or online at thetimes.co.uk. You can also find me on the Twitter machine at Danny Fortson or email me with any questions, comments, suggestions, complaints, etc. at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.